The Money Show. Other people's money. I love this feature of Bruce is called Other People's Money because you get to learn about what they spend their money on, where they got their money from, or perhaps didn't get their money from, their earliest experience of money, and it goes on and goes on. But I need to be careful tonight because my guest tonight is comedian Tumi Murake, and if I get things wrong, I think she's going to tear a strip off me. Let me tell you more about Tumi before I let her tell you more about herself. Tumi Murake is an award-winning comedian. She began her stand-up career in 2006 and soon became South Africa's, quote, first lady of comedy. Tumi's comedy has taken her all over Africa, including Ghana, Botswana, and Zimbabwe. She also made an appearance at the 2013 Edinburgh Festival in Scotland. In 2018, Tumi was announced as one of the 47 comedians who would appear on Netflix's Comedians of the World. Comedy made her famous, but acting was her first love as well. She's been in several uh, productions. Isozo, rather, I'm going to get the wrong, she's going to rip me off. High Rollers, Quarter Life Crisis, Laugh Out Loud, a Rockfall, Soul Buddies, and the list goes on and goes on and goes on. In fact, the Queen as well. You'll know her from the Queen. And Tumi joins us. Hi, Tumi. Welcome to The Money Show. Oh, hi. Thanks for having me. I'm very nice. Oh, my gosh. Why? Why would I rip you apart? Never. I'm just saying I've, I've just heard, you know, and you've got to be careful with comedians because, you know, they, they, they just, <laughs> they're just funny people. So welcome to The Money Show. Who is Tumi Murake? Tell us more. Who are you? <laughs> Tumi Murake is a, uh, wow, what am I? I am a South African trier. My mother always called me a trier. I'll try anything once. <laughs> um, I'm a, I, I work as a as a comedian, as a writer, as a performer. If it's attached to comedy, I'm there. Okay, all right, okay. So, where did you grow up? Let's start right there. Where did you grow up, and what was your earliest experience of money? So, I grew up in between Mafikeng and Tabanchu, uh, which were part of uh, the Botswana homeland. That's where I grew up until it became Northwest and Free State. Um, and I suppose my first conscious experience with money was when I lived with my grandmother and I was uh-huh. in primary school. And I remember every time my mom visited, she would like give me a 20 rand. And I used to try and stretch that thing as far as I could. Um, <laughs> so I knew, <laughs> I knew that was going to be my ice cream time if it was um, summer. Um, and in winter, it would be my fat cake money. And fat cakes were like 20 cents, you know. So right. I was bawling with like 20 rand. I was bawling. I think I was very, very rand. money as a kid. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because 20 bucks in those yeah, days was, actually I meant something. King. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I get traumatized sometimes when I look at how much I'm paying <laughs> for bread. And I'm like, I remember my grandmother yeah. giving me a rand. And I came back with a loaf, you know. It's interesting. You know, it, it's so interesting. The other day I thought, oh, I've got a hundred rand left for the rest of the month. You know, that's lovely. And you think to yourself, um, it used to be a lot, Ray, but a hundred rand is not going to cover lunch sometimes. <laughs> or, you know, and, and that's kind of where no. we're sitting at the moment. It's all gone to hell, hasn't it? It has. It has. And, you know, one thing I find interesting is my, my mother lived in debt most of our, well, most of the time I lived with her, like, from when I was a teenager, I noticed my mom was constantly paying something off. At some point, she even had one of those loans where they keep your bank card 
you know, those loans people who oh, yeah. keep your bank card. And so when you get paid, they guarantee they're getting their money back because they have your bank card. Um, so I ended up so adamant. I don't want debt. I was so anti-debt that even when I needed to get good debt, I was so <laughs> nervous. It was like a PTSD of, oh my gosh, am I going to now be scared to answer my phone? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? But that's actually a good thing because it's taught you not to get yourself into debt. And so, so many South Africans do. We do that. We, we reckless when it comes to borrowing money. And then, like you say, we get mm. ourselves into trouble, don't we? We do, you do. You know, we have people knocking and you keep quiet and you're stuck like a statue, hoping they think nobody's home, but they heard you laughing like a second ago. <laughs> you know, it's insane. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, it took me a while to learn that there's such a thing as good debt and bad debt. I was like, no debt would be nice. So I just, I've also learned to push to always, to always have money. And if I don't have it, whatever I want, if I don't need it, it's going to have to wait. Yeah. Tell me about being a comedian. It must have been very difficult, specifically during COVID-19, when everybody was locked down. How did you adapt your career to doing other things? Yeah, this is the crazy thing. So 2019 was actually a very quiet year for me uh, in terms of comedy. I, I didn't work as much as I anticipated. 2020 hit, I panicked. I thought, okay, this is it. This is where I go and work at McDonald's. And what happened instead is there was a lot of virtual work because everybody's home and, yeah. you know, companies are trying to keep their employees, um, you know, revved up a little bit, encouraged. Um, and people are also desperate for entertainment. So mm. within about three months, I so the first thing I had to do was learn to perform to a wall, which yeah. <laughs> luckily because as an actor, yeah. So as an actor, because I mean I had trained as an actor before I went into comedy, I already knew what it's like to be practicing in front of the mirror. It was pretty much how I treated my comedy. So yeah, yeah. that wasn't too hard. Um then I invested in myself. Um I bought lights. Um I already had a good camera, so I bought a tripod. I got a, um, a green screen and I watched so many how-to videos um, and prepared yeah. myself to work virtually because I realized this is a thing. I could, I could do this, you know, if, if they're trying to choose between me and another comedian, I'm going, hey, I'm saving you studio money because my room is a studio yeah. and I've got equipment, you know. I so like that it. was a big... Um, yeah, that was a huge uh, adaptation for me and it helped me. And I worked more in 2020 than I worked in 2019. Amazing. That's actually, that is so amazing that you could do that. Is it not difficult, though, not having a crowd in front of you? Because you crack a joke. You, you, you start out with your performance and sometimes yeah. you can't see the whole audience and you think, oh, did that work? Mm -hmm. Don't you need that feedback, that sort of simulation <laughs> from the crowd? Exactly, you do. And this is where um, your family comes into play because I would oh, make you my test on them. <laughs> sit there. Yeah, test on him or make him sit there. And, and it helps because then he'd be like, okay, can you give people like a moment to laugh at this? You know? So I would try and remember to take little pauses and assume that whoever's watching is laughing. Um, 
But again, like I said, because I came from a training background where when I started doing stand-up, I was treating it like monologues where I would prepare the monologue, pick my pauses, you know, know where I'm punctuating, where I'm letting it breathe. I used a lot of that. Because I always say there are different kinds of comedians, you know, there are comedians who tell you I've never written a joke down. I just get on stage and I'm funny. Yeah. And then there are people like me who go, this is a craft. I have to work it. I have to write it down and I have to know what's going to go where. And that helped me in this context because then you do one company gig, somebody sees it, goes, that was great. She actually did that really well. Yeah. They tell other people and then you get more gigs out of it. So it is hard in that your ego is not getting the stroke you're used to. I'll tell you that's the sure. hardest part because yeah, when, yeah. when people laugh, it's like that affirmation and it's your, your, your arrogance grows a bit. You know, the ego's like, that's right. We work them. Now you're, you're relying on emojis and responses <laughs> in the chat box, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then you're able yeah. to like, yeah, but you can lie to yourself and go, ah, they didn't have that. Side. That's why they didn't put a, a laughing emoji in the chat box. They were too busy laughing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so, that is so difficult. Although sometimes you get all those hearts and whatever, and you think, whoa, I'm a hit. I'm a real hit. And I suppose you are. Yeah. <laughs> Look what I'm doing. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Oh, now, but I have, you know, I have, you have to be honest, though. It was it was a little tricky. It, it's very hard to spend money on something you're not sure will work. I think that was the hardest part because I was going, if I buy this equipment and I don't work, it's going to depress me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, we're finding you in the United States. Where exactly are you? So currently, I'm in Atlanta. Um, yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> And Atlanta was a financial decision, yeah. interestingly, now yeah. we're talking about money, because um, we're basically living between the U.S. and South Africa. And initially, we had a very clear plan. We were going to be in New York. We had, you know, plans of how we're going to do the kids, how we're going to do our careers. The pandemic hit. And obviously, in that time, a lot of us ate into our savings. A lot of us ate into, you know, holiday money became rainy day money. And so when the time came to now return to the U.S., we were like, uh, it would really be nice <laughs> to be in New York. Yeah. We cannot afford it, you know, because the minute you, you move to like a, a state or the U.K., you know your rent is already yeah. on like life support it's not gone. life support it's gone so, it's, it's gone it's, it's gone gone i tell you what we're going to do i want to pick up the conversation we're going to take a bit of a break now but so uh, coming back with some of your questions as well 702 in cape talk land or double one eight eight three oh seven oh two or oh two one four four six oh five six seven or perhaps you just want to sms on three one seven oh two or three one five six seven you can other people's money tonight starring comedian tumi morake maybe you You've got some questions. The Money Show. Other people's money. Talking other people's money, and our guest tonight is comedian Tumi Morake. Tumi, a question for you. It says here on the SMS line, it says, please ask Tumi, can you actually make a living from being a comedian? Now, you've told us about this. Things have been a little bit tight since you went to the U.S. because our rands just don't work with dollars, do they? Mm-hmm. Well... Uh, that's a very easy question to answer. I bought my house on comedy. I bought my cars on comedy. 
I had my babies in a private, well, my firstborn in a private hospital on comedy before I had medical aid. Uh, yes, you can absolutely make a living on comedy. I did nothing else um, for a few. In fact, <laughs> I had been working as a writer and I ended up even having to pull back on that because comedy was keeping me busy and paying me a lot. Um, And a lot of of comedians who can attest to that. Um, I think, okay, so since I went to VITS, which was a struggle for me um, coming from, you know, a single income family and my mother, you know, being a nurse, that's not a huge salary. um, I had to put myself through uni. And so... And it's so interesting that you did. I, it shows that you, that actually shows a sort of pedigree of person who does that. Because to put yourself through uni is not easy. It must be very difficult for you. Yeah, it did. I got kicked out at some point because I stopped being able to keep up with the payments. And it took oh. me another six years before I could go back because it took me that long to pay off my debt and to be able to afford that final year I needed to complete to get my, my, my degree, but I did. Um, and it's not easy. It's, there are days where I wanted to give up, and then there were times I remembered but my effort. <laughs> so, yeah. So when I became an artist, because um, in that time I could have decided I'm going to go into advertising, you know, because when I applied to VETS, I'd been accepted into fine arts and into drama. But I said, listen, the concept of a starving artist is not sexy. What is sexy is an artist who goes, I want to get paid to do what I love. And so I've treated myself like a business from that point onward. Like, yeah. yeah. So Okay. Now that's, hmm. you treat yourself like a business. Now, your husband, I have to ask, what does he do? Is he into comedy? Is he totally different from you? Oh, we met in school. We, (laughs) so we, we both don't know what it's like to have a a steady income with benefits and medical. He is an actor. He's a voiceover artist. He's a director. He's a writer. So, um, he could have been an accountant. That was his strength in school, but. Uh, we both decided that the arts are our things. So, <laughs> so we both like, listen, we cannot be calling our parents and asking them to pay our rent. Yeah. You know? So, mm. yeah, we've been creative. I mean, when we were dating, we were those, you know, those guys in the outfits in the malls, the ones dressed like teddy bears. And oh, that was you. Okay. By rich kids. Okay, that was you. Yeah, that, that was us. That was as if, if there's a kid's party and they're hiring clowns and entertainment. That was yeah. us. Um, we were the guys selling you toilet paper in the in the shops when there's like a promotion. And I'm trying to convince you that your butt will know the difference. So, yeah, that was me. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here we so, go. You see, now we've started. In fact, you, get, you have one or two people SMSing. One person says, hi, Tumi, you're amazing. I love you, says one SMS just. So there we go. Aww. You're well known. That's from Thanks. sunny South Africa. The person does question, though, don't you um, miss the weather here? But that's a whole different thing. What is your most memorable performance? Something that's really stood out for you and you said to your husband, yeah, that was my finest hour. That was my finest one. Her story. I recorded a special, my first ever. It was her story. It was the first time I took all my material an hour long. And I got on the stage and I performed 
And I thought it was the bravest thing. It was so satisfying because I went, I trust that people will pay money to see just me on stage, not me with other comedians, but just me. And there I was at the Lyric Theater in, a, in an auditorium that was full, you know, um, and mm. <laughs> when I looked in the audience and I saw the diversity in the audience as well, like I actually cried, you know, even now when I think about it, I get goosebumps yeah. because it was the most affirming and I had so much fun. I feel like I talked the biggest nonsense, the biggest truth, <laughs> but most of all, I had such a good time. Oh, that's amazing. You have the gift for it. Now, we've only got two more minutes left, I'm afraid. Where will I know we just got started? I mean, you need another hour. I can always speak to Aubrey about taking an hour of his show, but he's a very big guy, you see, and I'm, I'm, I'm not so big, so maybe we won't do that. Where will we find you in the next six months, the next year? Are you coming back to South Africa? Where can we see you? Tumi, have we lost you? Oh no, I think we've lost Tumi. Have we lost you, Tumi? You still there? Oh no. That was the big question of the evening. I tell you what, we'll get an answer. I'll tweet it on Atre White Essay because we are running totally out of time. That's terrible. And she's talking to us from Atlanta. And there's so much more to speak to her about. Tumi, are you back with us? No, she's not back with us. Oh, no, we've lost her. All sorts of things. I want I'm to back. You are back. Okay, we've got one more minute then. Thank goodness we got you back. All right, in one minute, where will we find you in the next year or so? Where can we see you? You will definitely see me in South Africa. Uh, I'll be there in April. I'll come and play. I'll post all of this on my social media. So if people just follow Jumi underscore Marake on Instagram, I'm there on Facebook and on Twitter. I can see you guys. Yeah, you'll also be seeing me on Mr. Bones. You'll see me on Mr. Bones at the ah. cinemas. Oh, wow. Next month. Yes. Mr. Yeah. We've got so much still to talk about. We need to get you back on the money show. <laughs> Tommy Morak, it's been a pleasure chatting to you and uh, I look forward to chatting to you again soon and all the best for the release of Mr. Bones. I'm going to go watch it. Sounds great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. There we go. There's Tumi Morake. She's a comedian. She's been in radio. She's been on your television. She's been everywhere. She's also been on The Money Show.